Sid. And I'm Jess. And, and this, this is the Book Boyfriend Project. Season three. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Welcome back, guys. Um, we are so excited. Um, we've decided that every new season is going to be kicked off with a speedy review episode that we get to highlight all of the books that we were able to read during the break. Mm-hmm. Um, this one's going to be a little bit shorter. We're only going to be doing three books each instead of five because this break did take place over much of the holiday season. And so instead of giving you a bunch of speedy reviews on the holiday rom-coms that we continue to read, since I'm sure you guys are burned out on that a bit after (laughs) the 12 speedy reviews of Christmas, Mm -hmm. we will just be doing normal romance books that we were able to read. Well, one of mine is labeled as a holiday romance, but I don't think it's that holiday. Interesting. So we're just going to roll with it. Um, We will see. Some general housekeeping announcements before we hop into the reviews. Uh, just as a heads up, we are not doing the Wiry Wine series this season. We're going to jump back into that next season. Um, and this season is going to run from February until the end of April. So you guys have a couple months of awesome reviews and we're really excited to hop back in. Yeah. So Sid, why don't you start with your holiday, not holiday read? Okay. So this one has been all over all kinds of book social media lately and I picked it up on a whim I think I read this like over Christmas Eve and Christmas it's called Love Light Farms by BK Borison oh this was one book that I was gonna suggest the next book in the series as one of our reviews for later this season Hmm. we'll come back to that called In the Weeds it sounds really cute um so I just totally grabbed this one on a whim I didn't even I don't think I even read the synopsis. I was like, that cover is adorable. Like, I'm just going to give it a shot. So um, this book follows the main character whose name is Stella. And she owns a Christmas tree farm in this tiny town called Inglewood. Uh, She's owned the Christmas tree farm for about a year. And it's kind of struggling. Some weird things have been happening along the farm, which is like a fun little subplot where this person is like trying to sabotage her. Um, and she is really, really attached to this Christmas tree farm. It's more than just a business to her. Um, it's a home that she's created for herself, um, because her mother has passed away, um, and her father, like, barely acknowledges that, like, he's, that she's his child. He's kind of an awful person. Um, so she's really feeling down about that. Um, So she runs the farm and she has two employees, Layla, who's a baker, and Beckett, who is like a tree doctor. I feel like he had like an official title in the book, but at this point it's been like a month since I read the book, so I couldn't tell you what it was. Um, So Stella is struggling to keep the farm afloat, and in her panic, she enters a competition that a travel influencer is hosting that will spotlight the farm and put it up for some prize money that it desperately needs. But in her desperation on the application, Stella writes that she um, runs the farm with her boyfriend who does not exist. He's not existent. Um, But, like, she doesn't think that this is ever going to become anything. Lo and behold, she does get chosen to be featured. And she panics and begs her best friend, Luca, to be her pretend boyfriend. And things really aren't so pretend when the big performance comes, obviously. Um, so basically they've been like dating, but not dating for the past nine years. So it feels far from more than natural to do this. Um, 
And as I said, the weird things happening on the farm, the fence keeps getting broken, some fertilizer was stolen, stolen, a pasture full of trees like grew funny, like something was wrong with how they were watered or planted or something. Um, and it's actually this guy in town. I love this little subplot. I thought it was so cute. This is like a baby spoiler. Um, this guy in town had an agreement with the previous owner of the tree farm um, that he was going to buy it once he saved enough money to open an alpaca farm. And so he's just been pettily sabotaging Stella this whole time. That's adorably funny. It is so cute. And she also lives on this like tiny little cottage on the farm. And when the travel influencer shows up and does like a whole feature on it, the whole town like bands together and they sign up for shifts to go hang out at the tree farm and like do the ice skating and hang out at the bakery. So it looks like busy the whole time. And it's just like such a heartwarming book. It was very cute. So I gave it um, five stars. I loved it. It does have a little bit of spice. I feel like we need to clearly define our podcast spice rating because like our personal spice ratings are very different because like I gave this one like a four out of five but like I feel like you would read it and like nothing. (laughs) I don't know. For me, anything that's not like Anything that is closed door or, like, just sexual tension is maybe a one. But I know you will give it, like, higher than that based on something. I would give it closed door with no sexual tension and, like, just chaste kisses would probably be, like, a one. Ah, that's a zero. There's <laughs> no there's no spice to that. That is not spice. That is sweet, clean romance that's Ew. not spice. You know what showed up on my TikTok page the other day? What? This author who was like, I mean, like, I know there's an audience for this, but it just was hilarious to me because, like, this is not what usually shows up on my TikTok for you page. It was, like, this author who writes, like, clean, sweet romances, great for your daughter, mother, or granddaughter. I'm like, ew. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Those type of romance books where they're just completely clean, they're really chaste kisses, they're just really wholesome that's a zero mm, there no. is no spice that you is can a be zero wholesome with spice you can be wholesome with spice evidenced by love light farms but if there's like no kissing no sexual tension no like heavy petting like there's that's that's spice there's some spice there's like actual things happening yeah chaste wholesome romances are a zero <laughs> So, in this book, there was lots of sexual tension. There was sex on the page um, and lots of build-up to it. So, I don't know. Maybe, like, a more accurate, like, standardized rating for the podcast would be, like, a 3 out of 5 on the Spice scale. Mm-mm. I wouldn't gift my mother this book, but she doesn't read romance anyway, so <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't matter. <laughs> but, like, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. So... I think a one would be, like, the heavy petting, maybe just sexual tension, but, like, very hard alluded to, but kind of still kind of closed door. Mm-hmm. That maybe a one. Mm-hmm. To me, I feel like a two would probably be a little more petting, actual sex, but pretty pretty baseline vanilla is two. Mm. Maybe this is a two, then. Three and above is just ranging in things. Mm. 
See, I feel like the spicy books that I read and the spicy books that you read do not always overlap. So, like, I don't have a concrete example of, like, this is a two and this is a five. See, but that's because, to me, all of your spice is a three and below. Well, that's fine. I just need you to read them and tell me that then. <laughs> like, I feel like all of the spice that you ever talk about is a three and below. That's fine. <laughs> you haven't read multiple partners. No, that, I that's a that's like a three, like baseline three for me. Depending on what the multiple partners include. That's a three. Is there a standardized there could be spice a scale four. somewhere? <laughs> there could be a four with multiple partners. If we have more than two, it's, it's at least a four. Mm-hmm. If we have more than like three or four, it's a five. Okay. If you're if you're guessing how far my man scale goes up, <laughs> I've read at least seven so far. Oh my god, that's so many people to keep track of what they're doing. It really is. And what's funny is they were added over the course of nine books in this series. So like it's even harder to keep track of like their romance because it's not like it's just sex. Yeah. Like they all have their individual love stories, and then you're like, wait, <laughs> was his love story this one, or was it this one's love story? Mm-hmm. And that's that's what's hard to keep track of in my head when there's mm-hmm. multiple men, is gotcha. what love story belongs to which man. Yes. Also, you guys need to go watch Tessa Bailey's reverse harem TikToks. They're my favorite. <laughs> They're so funny. They really are. Like, I don't think I've read enough Tessa Bailey books to, like, no. truly appreciate her having these no. TikToks. But I just, I love, like, the premise behind it. I'm really sad because she's an author that I'd really love to meet one day. And she's actually doing um, a meetup in March, I think, in, I want to say, like, Oregon or Washington mm-hmm. or something. I don't know. It's the setting of um, her newest book. And the title is escaping me. The first one in the series was It Happened One Summer. And that was about one sister. And this next one's about the other sister. But, like, the winery that she's doing the meetup um, at is actually in the book. And they invited her to come because it's in the book. And I would love to go. But, like, COVID. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> someday. Someday. So, I feel like. As a part of this baseline podcast spice scale, you've got me hooked on this, like, conversation. Mm -hmm. So I feel like you need to pick a book that you feel is your, like, top level. It's a five-rated spice, and then I will read it, and then I will pick a book that I feel (laughs) is my top-rated five on the spice scale, and then we will compare our top ratings. Okay, that's fair. I feel like that's a fair, because, like, I can tell you what a zero is all day long. I can tell you what a one is all day long, and you'll understand that. Yeah. But what is a five? But what's a five? (laughs) I feel like that's a good exercise for our reading brains. (laughs) I think so, too. (laughs) Not that we'll share those information or that detail with you guys. That's a um, podcast conversation. (laughs) But I feel like that's an exercise we need to do. Yeah to better understand our spice scale. I would agree. And then we'll present it to you guys in a um, more safe for the internet way. Exactly. Anyways, Jess, what's your first book? (laughs) Okay, so my first book is going to be kind of super short and sweet. 
It's called Assassin's Blade by Sarah J. Mass. It is a collection of five prequel novels to the Throne of Glass series. Um, so, Selena, this book takes place, I want to say it starts six to eight months before she goes to the salt mines of Endovier. That spoiler is in the synopsis of Throne of Glass, so don't at me. That's um, a spoiler? That's like the first scene of the book. Yeah, but some people get like, if you give like actual like crucial details, that's mm. still considered a spoiler. I did not know that. Because I've always thought like if it happens in the first 50 pages of the book, like... It's free reign, not a spoiler. Yeah, pretty much. I would, I've, I guess, I don't know. That's another thing maybe we need to determine what's technically a spoiler and what's mm-hmm. not. Um, so I think this takes place, it, the first book takes place like six to eight months before she goes to Endovier. And the very last novella is what brings her, like what are the steps behind her capture and becoming a slave in Endovier. Mm-hmm. So she goes from remote islands to the desert and we just get to see all of these places in Aurelia and we get to meet a lot of different people in Aurelia and we get to know Selena as who she was before she became a slave and before she experienced that trauma and you get to see her romance with Sam Cortland. Oh good. Um, and how that grows and how that, like, changes and shapes her as a person. Um, there is a phrase that she repeats over and over through Throne of Glass that I never really, like, like, throughout the entire series, um, that I never really realized. And after reading this novella, it's, um, my name is Selena Sardothian and I will not be afraid. And it's actually something that Sam teaches her. And so you kind of get to learn about that. And then, you know, your rage against Arab and Hamill is just increased tenfold. Yeah. Um, so this book isn't wholly important to understanding the Throne of Glass world, but I really enjoyed it. I do think you should read it. I probably would have read it after um, the second book or after the third book because once you get past the fourth book, there's just too much happening and no one wants to go back and read <laughs> Assassin's Blade. Um, but the characters that you meet in Assassin's Blade, you do meet them again in the Throne of Glass series as a whole. You meet, um, I think, one or two of them in Empire of Storm. Um, One of the characters Selena meets in one of the novellas is actually the main character or one of the main characters in Tower of Dawn. Mm. Um, And then you meet the rest of them in Kingdom of Ash. Um, I like that it's like a loop around because... I mean, I would I enjoy novellas no matter what because mm-hmm. they're short. And usually if I'm willing to read a novella for a series, it's because I really love that world. Mm-hmm. But it's nice to see that the characters loop back around and not just, like, mm-hmm. throwaways. Mm-hmm. Because, like, you meet all of these different characters because each novella, there's five. So each novella introduces you to, like, a different character set mm-hmm. that 
plays like its own role in like who she is as a person and it plays a role in things that happen Mm -hmm. in the last three books sid has only read books one through three and i've read all of them so i'm trying not to give away my knowledge of everything yeah for her sake thank you um but yeah that's kind of all i have uh to say about that one it was like a four and a half out of five there's no spice it's like a it's like a zero like a 0.5 on the spice scale um but yeah i i truly enjoyed it i put it off for a while because i did not read it after era fire didn't weren't you trying to read that one congruently with which one so first i was able to my library was pretty good and i was able to actually get all of the books right after the other until um queen of shadows and then after i finished queen of shadows empire of storms it kept saying that i only had a few more days wait and so then i was able to borrow assassin's blade and so i read i think 50 pages of assassin's blade before i was able to get empire of storms and then i got empire of storms and tower of dawn at the same time Mm -hmm. um and those are the two books that you're supposed to tandem read oh gotcha um so i kind of stopped reading assassin's blade started reading empire storm of storms realized that tower of dawn was about kale and i hate kale um so then I decided that I wanted to skip Tower of Dawn and not read them tandemly. And then I finished Empire of Storm. Empire of Storm ends on a huge cliffhanger. So then Tower of Dawn happens at the same time as Empire of Storm. And I didn't want to go back in time and read Tower of Dawn. Mm-hmm. So then I skipped Tower of Dawn for the first 30-ish percent of Kingdom of Ash and then went realized that i was missing knowledge about characters that are introduced in kingdom of ash and had to go back (laughs) and read tower of dawn so within the world of throne of glass i feel like the reading order should either go assassin's blade then throne of glass or throne of glass queen of midnight or crown of midnight then assassin's blade then of air of fire then of queen of shadows then tower of dawn then empire of storm and then kingdom of ash that is how you will be reading them Okay. <laughs> because the publishing Guide order journey. the publishing order does not make sense for the reading order. Cause if you read Empire of Storms before Tower of Dawn, you will want to do the same thing that I did. And tandem reading the two is a lot of work when you have the ebooks. Yeah. So you can borrow my hardcovers and it's already tabbed because I do want to reread and tandem read those two because I feel like it would be way more enjoyable to tandem read them. Um, But, you know, you have the option. You can either read Tower of Dawn first or you can tandem read. Okay. Those are your choices. Okay. That's fair, I guess. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) What's your next book? Okay, so my next book is Realm Breaker, which is actually... Spoiler free, please. It is spoiler free. I just didn't like it. Okay. Um, Realm Breaker by Victoria Aviard. So if you guys don't know, we've talked about it a few times. Um, The past two years for Christmas, Jess and I have um, created a list of books that we would both like to receive as gifts that we haven't read yet. 
um, the other one buys them for us. They read them and make like little annotations and then give the book to the other person. So then like it's like we're reading them together ish, um, which I feel like that was more pertinent or like more special before we started the podcast. But we yeah. didn't start it until we did the podcast. Yeah, it's fine. I feel Anyways. like it was a little more special because we started it within our first season, within the first two months of the podcast, so we hadn't really been reading books together. Yeah. Or the same books. Yeah. But I like it. It's going to be our tradition now. Oh, yeah, definitely. And it's, I don't know, I think it's nice. I think it is, too. I think it's a meaningful gift that we will get a lot of enjoyment out of. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyways, Jess's gift this year was Realmbreaker, and I've read Victoria Aviard's books in the past. I love the Red Queen series in high school. It's been years since I've read it, but I remember really, really enjoying it. I really enjoyed it, like, a she year did. ago. I think you did a review on it. I did. On some of them. I did. Um, this was just not the book for me. It was not the book for me. I gave it a three out of five. I was reading this book and was questioning whether or not I still liked fantasy, but then I read, um, reread from Blood and Ash and Kingdom of Bl- Flesh and Fire. I think so. And then whatever the third one is called. A Crown of Guild and Bodes. Yeah. I don't remember what the second book is about. I'll be honest. <laughs> <laughs> Some important stuff happens in there. Yeah, I don't know. But then again, I read them. I read the last two, like, back to back. Like, you did. So it's, it's just, just all a blur. blur. It's a blur. Everything happened in book three to me. Yeah. Um, so, like, my fantasy love has not gone away. I just hate this book. I did not really enjoy it. You hate the book and you still got a three out of five. <laughs> because, like, the it's writing was choice. good. Okay, here's the problem, though. Like, I would go through spurts of the book where, like, I'd be reading and I'd be, like, sucked into it and enjoying the story. But then, like, 30 pages later, I was, like, done. You know? I just, mm-hmm. I don't think this story is for me. So I wrote a little bit of a summary. The one, I was just going to read the one on Goodreads, but it's kind of vague. I mean, my summary is not much better because I'm keeping it spoiler free, but you know. Um, So a group of miscreants unite to stop Terristan of Old Core from using his spindle blade from tearing the world apart. So this is a, like a medieval-esque story with like some magic, but it's not well explained. Um, There are spindles within this world, which the way that it's explained are they like gateways to other worlds i believe and you have to be spindle touched which means that you have spindle it's something to do with like your blood and like your heritage um to wield a spindle blade to open the spindles into other worlds so basically this is what terrison does and he's the big bad of this series um, so we have, like, five different main characters. We have Andri, a squire who witnessed Terrison using a spindle blade to open a spindle and led in an army of, I put ghosties in my notes because I kind of forgot how they describe them. They're described as, like, white figures that fly through the spindle. I don't know. Uh, Corrine, a daughter of a pirate who is the only known living child of Kor. Um, she was my favorite character. I would have rather just read so a whole book about her. So she's the grandchild of Old Core. Am I reading that? No, correctly? Old Core is like a group of people. It's not like a person. Um, See how confusing this is. Yeah, you said only known child 
only known living child of Core. Yeah. And Terriston of Old Core. I kind of just figured Old Core was like a person. Or like his like duke name, his like dukedom <laughs> name or something. I mean that's a totally fair. I have Bridgerton on the brain. <laughs> We're so excited. We're so excited. <laughs> um and then we have Dom, an immortal who witnessed Terrison's destruction. Sarasa, an assassin who's only there for the dough. Um, there were a lot of perspectives, even just beyond this. These are our five like main good guy characters. There's also this queen um, who's introduced as well as... I feel like there's one more perspective that I'm forgetting. Another immortal being. Um, I was just not a fan of this story. I was not a fan of how the world was built um yeah i just i did not enjoy it i was dragging my feet Mm. but you might love it i hope i do i hope you do too i didn't write this review maliciously to like crap all over the book so you would hate it Mm -hmm. i just didn't really enjoy it that's okay what's your next book um so my next book is uh the sapphire scythe which is a reverse harem urban fantasy. I believe this one is three men. Um, So I'll just read you the Amazon description. So born in battle, my birth brought peace, but peace is boring and so is the warlock I'm betrothed to. (laughs) Real name, Arya Emmanuel. Codename, the Sapphire Scythe. Soup status, first vampire succubus hybrid. Heir to the Aetherneae clan military status top spy and assassin for the universal army i've been running from my duties as the heir of the soup kingdom to mary Cade, my intended and create more hybrid children for centuries i've been playing soldier spy assassin or whatever takes me close to the action instead my parents and my people think i just need time to sow my royal oats but i love this too much to give it up humans have brought themselves to world war three my mission in the universal army is to get close to the dictator who caused it I already suspect he's got a soup close to him, but I'm keeping it to myself for now. I want to do this myself. I had a mark close to Zinin, the dictator. My mission was simple. Extract information, then kill him. Something went horribly wrong that night. I wake up in a hotel room with a lichen, a vamp, and a warlock. All trained assassins like me. Seems my dear parents sent them here. There's also a little catch in there. According to the men in my hotel, nature has given me three mates instead of one. Nature and my parents expect me to pick. Nature has a sick sense of humor and seems to know my horrible taste in men. Mm-hmm. There's Ronrek, the huge Irish lichen, Rainer, the dark Egyptian warlock, and Callan, the swarthy Bulgarian vampire. I had a lot of fun in all three countries before swearing off men from any of those places and refusing to go back. Mm. Now I've got three beautiful men in front of me with all the qualities I want in a man and have no idea how I'm supposed to pick. Spoiler alert, she's not supposed to pick. Of course. Um, this one so, so good. I gave this a rating of four out of five. The spice was about a three and a half out of five. Um, so the supernatural lore behind this book was just super super interesting so way back when before aria was born supernaturals weren't really allowed to intermix together um and there was like a really big war or something and there were these like three-ish maybe four-ish maybe two-ish i don't remember but it was more than one 
coven of witches who were kind of the antagonists of this supernatural war Mm -hmm. and as their punishment for continuing like this war they were turned into humans their magic was bound and they were turned into humans and that's how humans were created Mm -hmm. before that all of the living creatures were supernaturals Mm -hmm. like naturally occurring supernaturals Mm -hmm. um so then the vampire king found his mate within a succubus and the supernatural races were encouraged to intermingle and find their true mates and so Arya is the hybrid daughter of the first like um interracial interspecies changing Mm -hmm. that's cool kind of thing relationship so she's about 2,000 years old which this was such a different take for me because most of the time if it's a female main character she either is just finding out about her powers or she's like a baby supernatural or like she's just coming into her immortality or like they're all supposed to be young and it's the male that's supposed to be super ancient and otherworldly and shit and Mm -hmm. this is a fun twist this one had the female as the main like person Mm -hmm. the experienced one yeah which was great so just having the main female character be the old experienced ancient one was interesting because no one acts like they know more than she does Mm -hmm. no one acts like they have a better understanding of the world than she does and they all treat her with like great respect and it's just about like the storyline like it's the closest thing to a normal romantic comedy that i've ever come with still having the fantasy elements Mm -hmm. because with the romantic comedy they're on the same level they're both human and that's just what it is yeah and with most fantasy books where you have like a 500 year age gap Mm -hmm. there is like a slight undertone of like superiority yeah which i never realized how much i disliked in a book Mm -hmm. until i read this one I really want to read this one now. So there's a second book in the series, and that one's about a witch-vampire hybrid, mm-hmm. and she gets four mates, and she's 500 years old. Gotcha. So not quite as old. So not quite as old. And I'm about 80% through that one, mm-hmm. and then I kind of just, like, stopped reading. Because it, like, I got distracted by other books and, like, also by, like, 80-85%, the plot line was done and it was just going to be, like, relationship building and sex afterwards. So I was like, you know, I will come back to you. I only have, like, 20 minutes left. They're super Mm -hmm. short. They're, like, 200-page books. Oh, gotcha. So the last, like, 80, the last, like, 15% will take me, like, 25 minutes once I'm, like, yeah, I want to finish this. Gotcha. So... Well, that one sounds good, too. It was so, so good. Okay, so my next book is As Good As Dead by Holly Jackson. This is the third book in a Good Girl's Guide to Murder series. It's like, I don't know, I don't feel like these books are totally standalones because there's a lot of character development throughout the books and, like, there's little spoilers. Well, I guess they're pretty big spoilers. I've just reread the first two, like, eight times. 
So, like, I feel like I'm desensitized to them. Um, this is one of my favorite series. I've raved about A Good Girl's Guide to Murder many times on the podcast. I've been trying to get Jess to read it, but she's not interested. Um, and this is the final book in this series. And this one was kind of a weird one for me. I think for the first two, I listened to both of those as audiobooks. With this one, I actually bought the hard copy because it was a signed copy and I was in this indie bookstore. I was like, you know what? This is my souvenir for today. This is it. This is all I want. Um, and Wait, did you buy this book when you were in Tennessee? No, I bought this when I was in Traverse City. Oh. Um, yeah, on that disaster of a trip. Where, what bookstore did you get a signed copy at? Horizon. Hmm, interesting. Yeah. Um, and I'm actually kind of glad I bought this one in a hard copy because the cover is super cool. If you guys can just, like, Google a picture of the cover, um, there's, like, duct tape on it and it actually feels like duct tape, which I thought That's was kind of cool. cool. I love covers of that. I think it's so interesting. Um, so I bought this book in October, the very beginning of October. Um, I think I started it toward the end of October and I got about halfway through and there was such a huge plot twist that I put it down because, like, A, I just needed time to, like, wrap my head around the fact that, like, this was happening. Um, and B, because every time I would pick this book back up to read it, and I do a lot of reading before bed, um, every time I would pick this book up to read it, my heart would start, like, pounding and adrenaline would start, like, coursing through my veins. So, like, it was not a before bed book. I finally finished it last weekend. I was so excited. Um, so I'm going to start off by reading the summary for you guys. So it says, Pip is about to head to college, but she is still haunted by the way her last investigation ended. She's used to online death threats in the wake of her her viral true crime podcast, but she can't help noticing an anonymous person who keeps asking her, who will look for you when you're the one who disappears? Soon the threats escalate and Pip realizes that someone is following her in real life. When she Mm -hmm. starts to find connections between her stalker and a local serial killer caught six years ago... She wonders if maybe the wrong man is behind bars. Police refuse to act, so Pip has only one chance. Find the suspect herself or be the next victim. As the deadly game plays out, Pip discovers that everything in her small town is coming full circle. And if she doesn't find the answers, this time she will be the one who disappears. So already, this book has a different feel than the other two in the series where she was investigating you know, crimes that were not being committed against her, like threats that weren't against her. Um, and I enjoyed this book, but I would be lying if I said this was my favorite book in the series. I feel like it's kind of like the Harry Potter progression for me. Like, I love the first book. I love going back and watching, like, the first, second, and third movies because they're more lighthearted. Um, and that's kind of how I feel about the first two books in this series. But, like, I know that the progression of the series and the darker it gets, the more intense it gets. Like, that's just the natural progression. I would be bored if they just stayed at Hogwarts all the time. So, that's kind of how I felt about this book. Um, it was excellent. As always, I think Holly Jackson writes fantastic thrillers, and I'm really excited to see where whether she takes this series farther. I don't know if she will. It kind of ended on a place where I'm thinking, like, it's done, and I haven't done any research. Um, or if she'll dive into other thrillers, um, I would be really excited to read those. Yeah, I think that's all I really have to say on this book. I really, really enjoyed it. I gave it a four out of five stars. Um... It was really good. <laughs> yeah, every time you talk about it, I'm like, mm, maybe I'll give it a chance. I think if I find it available for an audiobook, I would probably. The first one is an audiobook at the library for sure. 
Yeah. I'd probably give it a chance. It's just, it's not at the top of my TBR. And if something can't make it to the top of my TBR, it's probably not going to get read. Yeah. This is a good, I feel like when these books have come out, they've been really good palette cleansers for me to get away from romance for a little while. Yeah. Uh, That makes sense. What's your next book? Well, my next book is Another Reverse Harem. Nothing reverse harem-y actually happens in the first book. And they don't, like, there's no group stuff in the second book either, which I was a little annoyed about. But um, it's called Killer Beauty, The Chaos Crew by Eva Chance and Harlow King. Um, I'm pretty sure I saw this in a TikTok from someone, like, months and months ago. Because it was just, like, in my Kindle Reads, like, list my like my wish list mm-hmm. and so I was looking through there to kind of find stuff and I saw this one and I was like you know what I want that one um so here's the synopsis I'm the girl you'll never see coming blink and you're dead another target checked off my list but one night everything in my carefully ordered existence falls apart a bloodbath and a car crash later I find myself in the grasp of four gorgeous intimidating men are my captors cops like they claim or something far more sinister they sure know how to bend the law, and seeing how skiffly they handle a gun or a knife, I can't help wondering what their hands would feel like all over me. Oh. <laughs> I have vengeance to wreck, and no man, no matter how powerful, is going to keep me caged for long. They think they've caught a wounded little mouse. How could they know they've brought a killer into their home? I'll bide my time, learn all I can, and when I'm ready to strike, they'll never know what hit them. So it's the first in the series two books are out the third one comes out when 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 does the third one comes out february 19th i've debated you know taking the day off for work (laughs) of work for it um i'm that invested in this series so basically this series is about decima or des as she typically goes by She was raised by the quote-unquote household her entire life and trained to be an assassin. It's described in the first couple of chapters that she lives in a hidden room slash quarters within the household's mansion. Her main trainer is Noelle, and the only other person that she has contact with outside of her missions is Anna. So Anna typically brings her her food and was almost like a surrogate mother for her in the past. At the beginning of the book, Anna and the rest of the household that lived in the mansion are murdered by who we later find out is the quote-unquote chaos crew. The chaos crew is a group of four mercenaries for hire that only take out bad people. They do their research whenever they're hired and they really um, make sure that who they are attacking and who they're taking money to kill is like bad people like those that do human trafficking and those that are like in the mob or like do like drug trafficking and like all of those like scourges on the earth Mm -hmm. they only take those kind of like hit contracts gotcha um so they were hired by someone to kill the entire household they weren't told about des Mm -hmm. um so Anna lets Des out of her locked rooms so that she can get away. Um, and the chaos crew were obviously still watching the house to make sure they didn't lose anyone. 
and to make sure that no one stumbled upon the scene before their contract was fully like fulfilled. fulfilled. And they end up kidnapping Des. Um, they convince her that they're undercover cops and are looking into the massacre of the household. So you get all of the boys' points of views, you get Des's point of view, and to me, because you know that the chaos crew that kidnapped her and is pretending to be undercover cops is who they are throughout the entire book, it definitely has that, like, the audience knows something, one of the main characters doesn't, and then you just feel like they're stupid the entire book for not (laughs) understanding, Mm -hmm. for not, like, catching all of the clues. Mm Mm-hmm um definitely has that like sense to it mm-hmm. and des was very much raised to think that the household was protecting her from the big bad world um she never went to school she never did anything she was trained to be an assassin since she was like three years old she was sent on missions to kill people by the time she was eight years old she was going and killing um different people that the household didn't like the household was involved in human trafficking and such the boys tell her and this was just like a very like mystery driven book Mm -hmm. and the second book mainly takes place trying to figure out like des's past and why the household did what they did to her Mm -hmm. and who the household is and it's just it, it was sounds really good. so good. It sounds like it was so good. So so good. So this one was about a two and a half on the spice level. Um, all of the guys are super super fun in their own way. They're all like mercenaries, so obviously they're like all a little rough around the edges. Got that like tall, dark, and dangerous thing going on. <laughs> it's definitely a good like series. Mm-hmm. It's a good book. Most of the ones that I've read were series, so. It's a good idea that we chose to do three books. Yeah. Yeah. But I guess that's all that we have for you guys today. Mm -hmm. Um, Thank you guys so much for listening. And I hope you guys will check back in. The first book book review that we will have posting next week is The Spanish Love Deception by Elena Armaz. Mm -hmm. Um, We're a little late to the game on this one since it's been such a sensation. But you'll have to stay tuned to see if we think it's worth the hype or not. I will admit I'm only about 20% through the book right now, maybe 30%. And Sid has already finished it, so we shall see Yeah, how our thoughts line up. Thanks so much for listening, and definitely check us out on all of our social medias. It definitely helps us out, and please leave a review if you have a chance. 